the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, 9, 10 a.m. Every Friday, I get a talk with someone whose job I would love to do, but I don't have the voice or the skill set or the eyeballs to call live National League hockey. Bringing in right now, Dan Rusinowski from 98.5, voice of the San Jose Sharks. How are you, Dan? So, Dan. How are you? I'm, I'm good. It's long time no talk. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Oh, it was wonderful. I spent it in the air with the hockey team. We had Thanksgiving turkey on the plane. It's part of, part and parcel of being in professional sports, really glamorous, going to a country that doesn't have Thanksgiving in November. So it was really fascinating to sit with uh, 30 of my best friends and enjoy a turkey dinner on the plane. Now, I've heard the San Jose Quakes, the soccer team, that they don't really, they don't get first class anything. The Sharks, when you do turkey in a plane, is it first class, is it the top of the line, or is it kind of like spam? Uh, oh, it's not spam. It's very <laughs> wonderful. Everything that's related to our travels first class, for sure. Sounds good. Now, I was watching the game last night, Mr. Rusinowski, and I was watching the Marlo Thornton Heatley line, and I'm starting to get a little upset because I know the Olympics are right around the corner, and I'm USA, USA, 1980, Miracle on Ice. I am love my family in the Olympics. I, I don't want to watch them play for Canada, but it's going to happen, isn't it? It's going to happen, and I and I think you know eventually it'll be it'll become official. But the last few weeks have really sealed the deal, I think, for these guys. Of course, they could always change their mind, uh, but I don't know how they would change their mind because of how well they're playing. They're just so fantastic together, great chemistry. And one of the strange things about the Olympics is that you you want that chemistry to be there, yet. You only have a couple of weeks to practice as a team, and so if you have something that's already existent, you take advantage of it, and that's probably what they're going to do right there. Now, a Thornton-Heatley-Marlowe line in the Olympics, would they be the first line because they got other great Canadians, too, like the Crosbys out there? Or, or we, would that be like a second or third line? What a dream team Canada has, right? Uh, they're they're the favorite to win, and that's the way it is every year. And it's really important to Canada too, because of course the games are in Vancouver. So um, you know they've pulled out all the stops to try to ensure that Canada wins the gold medal. And I think there are a couple people on the U.S. side, maybe the Russian side too, that uh, that are going to try to disappoint them. Evgeny Nabokov is going to be the goalie, by the way, for the Russian team. So if you don't want to root for the top line, you can root for Nabokov or just root for the U.S. guys. Yeah. Um, with that said, uh, the best team in the NHL, you get to be the broadcaster for the best team in the NHL, the San Jose Sharks. I was mentioning earlier today, Golden State Warriors basketball, it's, it's bad professional sports, but we have the best NHL team in the nation here in our home city. Isn't that pretty exciting? 
It's not only exciting, it's special. It's something that uh, that really you, you, you don't see come around all the time. You can't take for granted um, the fact that this is the most exciting team in hockey, the fact that it's the San Jose Sharks representing the third largest city in California and the tenth in the United States. It's, it's really a privilege to be involved with it. And that's not just for me as a broadcaster. That's for everybody associated with the team, whether you're a sponsor, whether you're just a, a ticket buyer, somebody that, uh, that listens to the game on the radio or watches on television. Let's bring in my better half, Shelly. Shelly always has questions for Mr. Rusinowski. Shelly, how are you? I'm good. Hi, Dan. Hey, Shelly. How are you? I'm great. So Rob has a lot of younger kids that are fans of his show and are listening with their parents. So I have a question for you for them. Sure. And essentially, what is the best way, would you say, for a parent to get their child a chance at playing in the NHL someday? Is it college hockey, or do you send them off to Boston or Canada when they're really young? This is a very interesting question, and it's one that uh, is debated within hockey circles quite a bit. You happen to be talking to somebody who is an extremely strong proponent of the college hockey system, and it's partly because I came from it. Um, when I started my broadcasting career, I broadcast for St. Lawrence University, which is a, a great university in northern New York that has a Division One hockey program. But um, it, for me, it's all about options. And as a parent, I, I, I wanna, would want to make sure that my child had options um, in his life, and if you can get to the NHL by going to a top college program, but also have the college degree and have other interests and develop the college life and all the contacts and, and, uh, and the education that you get, um, that's something different than if you go to major junior hockey, which theoretically is the best place to prep for the NHL, but it's more of like, uh, like an apprenticeship than it is an education. And I think that that's the, 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 big, the big debate that goes on. You know, if you're Sidney Crosby or if you're Wayne Gretzky, it's probably just fine for you to go to major junior because you're preparing for your professional career and uh, the likelihood is you're going to make 7 or $8 million a year for 15 years. Um, however, having said that, you have to know what to do with it when you get it. And that's what I always say that, uh, you know, somebody like Paul Correa, for instance, who's had a great career, he just played here at HP Pavilion last night. He went to college uh, at least for a couple of years to the University of Maine. And I, I just think that the experience personally is, is more well-rounded for, for a young person. Good. Well, I, hopefully those young hopefuls are listening and taking careful notes. Um, today I have a young fan who wanted to ask you some shark questions. Is that okay, Dan? Sure. How old is your young fan? So he's 11, and his name is... Fantastic. Jacob. Yeah, he's, his name is Jacob Carson, and he's a, he comes from a huge Sharks hockey family. They've been going to games since he was an infant in his own seat, and he plays on a roller hockey league himself. Uh, he was a little bit nervous to come on live, so we pre-recorded his three or four questions for you. Absolutely. Hello, Mr. Rusinowski. My name is Jacob, and I have a couple of questions for you about the Sharks. Do you think the Sharks will win the President's Trophy again? I think it's a good chance, Jacob, that they will win the President's Trophy. Of course, that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to win the Stanley Cup. But uh, people uh, should not uh, look down at the President's Trophy as a non-accomplishment. Finishing in first place overall over an 82-game schedule against 29 opponents is something very special. Right now, the Sharks are in first place overall. That would get them to the President's Trophy. But there's a long way to go. Mr. Rusinowski? Do the Sharks have a favorite road city to visit? Okay, well, we can deal with both those issues. First of all, as far as the road city is concerned, Jacob, I would say that um, my favorite road city is New York. Um, 
I really enjoy going to Manhattan, but I also really like Montreal. Montreal, Toronto, um, Vancouver, those are three of my favorite Canadian cities, and probably um, New York and Chicago in the United States. But uh, but you you talk to each individual player and individual broadcaster or coach, and they're going to pick uh, they're going to pick a variety of places that they, they like. There are a lot of guys that, uh, for instance, that enjoy country music that like Nashville um, because of the opportunity to listen to some good country music right down the street from the arena. So um, it, it just depends on what you're looking for. And if your hometown is somewhere, um, you might enjoy having your family and friends watch you play in person. Um, so that's that's that part. Now, Tory Mitchell just came back from a lengthy injury, and you know he basically didn't play at all last year. And right now he's just starting to get back into the lineup. He's playing on what they call the fourth line, which means he's killing penalties, he's getting limited ice time, starting to get his feel for his legs again. He, you know, he broke his leg really badly last year, but it's great to have Tory back, and he's just excited to be playing. How many 20-goal scorers do you think the Sharks will have this year? Thank you. I... I'd love to see 11, Jacob, because that's the all-time NHL record set by the Boston Bruins. It's a record that said will never be broken. They actually, that in the 1970s, when Don Cherry was their coach, had 11 players that scored 20 goals or more. How many on the Sharks will hit 20? It'd be nice to get five. That would be a fantastic number. Um, you figure that all top three guys, Heatley, Marlow, and Thornton, are going to get to the 20-goal mark. Devin Setaguchi, if he gets healthy, theoretically could do that. He had 30-plus goals last year. Um, there's always a chance Dan Boyle could get 20 goals once the season gets going. And uh, Ryan Chloe, you hope, would, would get to that 20-goal mark. I mean, that, that, that's, those are five guys right there. Um, it would be really nice to get to that kind of balanced scoring because that means that whenever the Sharks place a line on the ice, there's a threat to score. And that's going to make it more difficult for other teams to beat San Jose. Shelly, you got anything else for Dan? No, that's it. Thank you, Dan. So, How good was Jacob? That's awesome. Isn't that, I think that's one of the more special things, seeing a, a six-year-old or a 10-year-old at a hockey game, because their eyes just, they're big as pies. They, it's, it's a fascinating sport to watch live. Well, and you know what's great for me is that when the kids are listening on the radio, too, because they're exercising their imagination, I know that that happens when they listen to your show um, on a variety of financial topics. They're, they're, they're really exercising their rational faculty, but they're also able to uh, imagine what their life might be like. And I think that that's a good good plan for the future for, for their lives as adults. And the same thing happens in sports. It's sort of like literature. It, it presents life as it might be and as it ought to be for these kids, and it gives them some inspiration. So. Um, if I can do that, uh, bringing the games to them on the radio and, and getting their imagination going and painting that picture with me on the on the air, that's that's a fun thing. Let me ask you a little bit about Don Cherry. He's Canadian, and you said he coached Boston Bruins. I didn't know that, but I always thought he was like a, a Montreal coach. He he does tell. Oh, me. actually, it's funny you mention that because there's one of the most fam- famous moments in. NHL playoff history actually happened when Don Cherry's Boston Bruins were playing the Montreal Canadiens, and it was the one thing that they could never do during that time. They could never beat Montreal because the Canadiens had a dynasty. They won four straight Stanley Cups, and it was Game 7, and it came down to the final minute of play. The Bruins looked like they were going to win the game and win the series and advance to the Stanley Cup Finals against the New York Rangers that particular year, and uh, it was an accident 
that Don Cherry put too many men on the ice, and the coach has to take responsibility for that. They took a penalty. Montreal tied in the final minute, and then they ended up winning in overtime. And so it was the Canadians that ended up winning the Stanley Cup again that year. And it's just part of uh, the hockey lore. That's that's uh, one of the great Don Cherry stories. But he's become famous since as a uh, sort of a flamboyant broadcaster for Hockey Night in Canada, which is the weekly, sort of like the Monday Night Football yeah. of, of Canada. He's kind of like the John Madden of hockey. Yeah. And he, exactly. What's up with his suits? He wears these crazy outlandish suits that are over the... I've never seen clowns dress that funny. Well, you, you remember back in the old days of baseball, Lindsey Nelson, the great announcer, actually used to, to broadcast the Cotton Bowl every year, was also the New York Mets announcer. For a little while, he was with the San Francisco Giants, but mostly identified with the Mets. And he used to wear these crazy sport coats. and So that was sort of started a okay. trend in broadcasters. But I don't know why Don Cherry did it. He, he's just a flamboyant guy. Um, he's got the, his trademark are the extra thick collars on his suit, our shirts. And that, that, you know, they're all custom tailored and everything else. And yeah. It's really kind of funny to see that happen happen because it's part of his character and he's he's supposed to be this controversial guy he's a real sweetheart of a man and um, somebody that just loves the game he's opinionated is something i like about watching yeah the exactly podcast. thanks for joining us dan stan rusnowski the voice of the san jose sharks you can hear his broadcast live saturday against calgary san jose is playing at home we got a nice home stretch going seven o'clock is the game so tune into 98.5 listen dan rusnowski Enjoy the Sharks. It is a blessing that the Bay Area has the best team in the NHL. Professional sports at the best level, it is a joy. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m., more stimulating talk. Get in the Rob Black chat room live now. Go to talk910.com. Go to the Rob Black page and click play. Slow to get there, though. Right here, right here. See what it, it goes somewhere good. So thank everyone, including Jacob. I thought that was cute that he got to ask some questions. I love hockey, and one thing that I try to do on the show is to show you a little bit more than just the plain old boring financial stuff. I'm not saying you have to be like me, but man, the Golden State Warriors suck. Anyone who likes professional basketball and hasn't really tried professional hockey, you're missing out. You're missing out on the greatest sport. Now, two developments came out yesterday that were kind of interesting. These came out of Pacific Gas and Electric. This is going to blow your mind. This is going to blow your mind. You're going to say, Rob, am I going to have an orgasm of my brain? You very, very well might. Pacific Gas and Electric said that they're going to deliver energy from the atmosphere Possibly near Earth orbit. What is this all about? PG&E announced plans for a $900 million wind farm. Okay, in the foothills of the Tekka Chappie Mountains in Kern County. Don't know where that is. 
But PG&E already buys power from a lot of wind farms, but this is going to be the first one that the San Francisco utility is actually going to own. Now, more importantly, state regulators approved PG&E's request to buy electricity from an orbiting solar power plant. I can't make this up. I didn't even know this technology was out there. Now, the technology is not out there yet. It's not off the ground. There's a company called Solaren, and I go Google it, S-O-L-A-R-E-N. It's a startup in Los Angeles. It plans to place a large array of solar panels in orbit where they would bathe in near-constant sunshine, undimmed by the Earth's atmosphere. The plant, which Solarin hopes to launch before 2016, would use electromagnetic waves to transmit power to a receiving station in Fresno. Uh, I'm going to be quite honest with you. It sounds like we're going to put a magnifying glass up in space and we're going to beam power back to the United States. Doesn't that sound cool? Like, we could probably blow up the Soviet Union while we're at it. Although there is no more Soviet Union. They broke up back in the 1990s. I should remember that. While we got this energy and space idea, we could probably shoot the Taliban. I don't know. I just think that is, again, sometimes I, I go, I have the greatest job on the planet. Not only do I get to work with wonderfully smart and talented people. Not only do I get to talk to people like Dan Rusnowski, but I get to read about cool technologies and learn. Let's go to Aaron in San Rafael, 800-345-5639. The week is running out. Time is almost out to get your calls in the air, 800-345-5639. Let's go to Aaron in San Rafael. Aaron? Hey, Rob. Hey, I, I work for at and I'm 30 years old. Um, I recently, well, about a year ago, I stopped investing my 401k. For some stupid reasons, but um, I called up Fidelity before, and you know they won't give me any personal advice over the phone on where I should put um, specific, you know, what I should invest in. Do you sure. have any suggestions? On um, I can give you. I can give you some basic suggestions. How old did you say you were, Aaron? Thirty. Thirty. So you got basically thirty-five years. You realize that, right? Yeah. Go look at a chart of the Dow thirty-five years ago. And keep in mind, in those 35 years, we've seen Vietnam, we've seen Reagan get assassinated, we've seen Bush won uh, his war with Iraq, we saw Bush two his war with Iraq, we saw, we saw a lot of drama, we saw 9-11, and what you're going to say is, this has been 35 pretty good years. So understand that the next 35 is going to have drama, and you never ever want to touch it. Like, for some reason, last year you pulled out of your 401k, because probably the drama of the economy and the recession and the correction and... Ultimately, if you didn't do that, you've already been made whole and probably even better if you were dollar cost averaging. So what I would do is I would look for a total stock market index, and it's called total stock market index. Okay. You can't go wrong with it. Um, I would look for an Asian fund, and Fidelity, oddly enough, has a great one called Fidelity Asia Excluding Japan. And it excludes Japan because Japan's an old society, and old societies aren't consumers. And consumers, uh, societies without consumers are are a drain on their currency and a drain on their stock market. So that's that. Um, and I like that. And I, I would say that's a great start. I would look for an international value fund. And I would say 30 to 40% of your money could be in Fidelity Asia, excluding Japan, and that value fund. And I'd like a large chunk of it to be in... Um, you know, a total stock market index. If you don't like the total stock market index, they've got what are called freedom funds, Fidelity Freedom Funds. And what it means is you add, you're going to retire in 35 years. And this year is 2010. So you pick the 2045 fund because that's when you're going to retire. You're going to retire in the year 2045. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, Aaron, but that's kind of cool, right? 
2045 is when you're retiring. Um, so I, I think that fund is a good choice. It's a great way to accumulate assets. It's not a smart way. It's it's you're, But you're accumulating assets slowly. You're averaging in on a regular basis every two weeks in that 401k. Um, and when you get a little bit older, you're going to want to be a little bit smarter. And you're going to want to manage it a little bit more uh, with... Instead of accumulating assets, you're going to want to manage those assets. Gotcha. And the AT&T, you know, they say how much percentage I want to put in, in the AT&T stock. What, what do you recommend in that? I, I say never more than 5%. In large 5%. part, AT&T already pays for your car. They yeah. pay for your insurance. They pay for your television. Everything in your life is somehow tied to AT&T. And if they downsize and fire you, um, you got too much exposure to that one company. Now, if you're getting a good discount on it, I would look at that as income, and I would diversify it on a regular basis. Um, I love a discount on a, a company stock, but I don't want to own more than 5%. So uh, I would I would buy the discount, but I would sell it and raise money from it on a regular basis. Thanks for the call. 800-345-5639. When we come back after break, I'm going to be spocking, speaking with Sean in Walnut Creek and Nick in Mountain View. I've got some more investment ideas for you. Stick with us. 800-345-5639. It's the Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m., more stimulating talk. So England's going to face the United States in the group stage of the Soccer's World Cup next year. The odds-on favorites to win are Brazil at 9-2. to two as well as Spain, which is the European champions at 9-2, to two, which means when you see odds like 9-2, to two, a $2 bet will get you $9. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Let's go to Nick in Mountain View. Nick? Ambassador Rob, hey, don't count out Portugal at the World Cup, though. They're, they're good. Their odds, odds are uh, pretty high against them right now, but anyway. Okay. Uh, I uh, heard that deal about the PG&E, about beaming power down to uh, Fresno, I think it is. Right. <laughs> I just thought of a Death Star instantly. Uh, <laughs> what happens when someone you know, passes across that energy beam? Do they get vaporized? I, mean, I have no idea. And I'm going to leave that to some of the smarter engineers that are out there listening. But again, a company called Solarin, they plan to place a large array of solar panels in orbit constant sunshine, and then they're going to beam the power down to us with electromagnetic waves. Wow. I don't, I don't quite get it. They can pull that off. That's going to be a pretty solid stock. It's pretty cool, right? Hell yeah. So, I'm with you. Any, any, any big plans for you this weekend, Nick? Uh, you know what? I'm going to do nothing. Okay. That's my job right now. I'm going to do nothing. Lame as I am, I'm going to clean the garage on Saturday. See, I've, I've done that already. I put out the Christmas lights, put up the Christmas tree, okay. all that jazz. I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to sit and watch Sons of Anarchy. Nice. You like that show? That is fantastic. Just got turned on to it about uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, bought season one and probably hopefully going to buy season two. And if anybody is interested in that whole biker subculture, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I think they did a nice job. It's um, And again, you're talking about the show on FX called Sons of Anarchy. And I think what's intriguing about it is it's a subculture that they're showing gang people, uh, motorcycle gangs, and uh, they're just adding, you know, typical regular stories of love and betrayal and friendship and trust on on bikers, which is actually kind of fun. A lot like The Sopranos was just a story about a guy who, who had some issues and happened to be in the mafia. 
pretty much. And it's not a reality TV show, so there's a little direction to it. So there you go. Sons of Anarchy. Thanks for the call, Nick. 800-345-5639. He referred to the PG&E thing as a Death Star. I like it. I like where he's going with that. Let's get a Sean in Walnut Creek. Sean? Hey, how you doing? Good. I'm calling up. I wanted to get uh, your opinion or uh, any suggestions you may have on ETFs or mutual funds that uh, specialize in the BRIC countries, um, specifically India and China. Yeah. Again, I think the one that I just already said a couple minutes ago, the Fidelity, everything in Asia, excluding uh, Japan. Okay. I think that's the right way to go. It gets you India. It gets you Australia, um, who's got a balanced budget. It gets you China. Um, it's a nice uh, track record. I think you could take a look at the Matthews funds um, in San Francisco, their mutual funds. They've got an India. They've got an Asia. They've got a China fund. Um, I think Matthews and Fidelity are probably two of the better. And I... I Matthew's funds probably not as cheap as Fidelity, but uh, maybe a little bit more targeted per se. If that helps. Okay. Are you aware of any ETFs? Um, I don't really like throwing out that many ticker symbols because what I don't want to be is I don't want to be Kramer. I don't want to be a buy sell hold show because I think ultimately that's where you lose. Right. And Sean, I don't have a contract after December thirty first. I I could get you into that thing, and then India can change to a different government, and and you're screwed. So I'd rather teach you how to fish. And uh, then, then tell you specifically, go to this little uh, this little hole, so to speak. Great. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. You have a good weekend. Thanks for the call, Sean. Um, I don't know. Should I do a hot stock to invest in or should I do the Juju hamsters? Hamsters, of course, Juju hamsters. And then I'm going to do a hot stock right after it. And you know why I'm doing that? Because I want to lure you in for five minutes so the people meter goes ding, 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 ding. So Juju pets, they're the year's most coveted Christmas gift. Now, what's actually kind of interesting about this is uh, it's a nice sweater for num-nums. Now, they're kind of like Beanie Babies. That's the only thing I can explain in the sense that people want them and it makes no freaking sense. So you can now get a sweater for your num-num or a John Deere-themed sleeping bag for your hamster, Mr. Squiggles. Retailers are struggling to keep the $10 furry robotic hamsters in stock. But some entrepreneurial uh, people out there, they're creating a niche market for Juju-sized accessories. So you can go to eBay and come up with accessories. If you're one of those people who doesn't have a job right now and you know how to knit, start selling Juju accessories. There's a 35-year-old named Amy, and uh, she's been selling Juju tutus and hamster headwear. Like, for instance, you could get a, a hamster mohawk on eBay. You can get hamster uh, reindeer ears on eBay. Inspired by a request for her daughters, who are two, five, and seven, she's like, I can make clothing for them to match their ensembles. And this is American. This is what I love. You know, a faux fuzzy wool hamster. People, they're hot. So Zuzu pets. Zuzu pets. A couple other things I want to talk about. Here's four questions that you should ask your loved one before you get married. Four questions you should ask your loved one before you get married. I know I got some young people here out there. Um, the first question you should say is, how much is there? It's not a good first date question. How much are you worth? But in the long haul, finding out each other's net worth is only fair. When assigning dollar figures, be sure to include retirement accounts, investments, and debts, as well as checking and saving accounts. Plus, you should share your credit scores. Honestly, I once had a girlfriend who had her, her she was so dirty, her herpes had crabs. And um, I knew about, you know, did she have HIV or not? I, I, I I found that stuff out. Um, in this day and age, it's not just enough to know HIV. Now it's 
And I know, you're saying, you had a girlfriend who was so dirty, her herpes had crabs. Come on, dun dun I'll be here all week. Um, now you really got to find out about people's credit and their finances. Thank you very much. Um, you got to find out where the money comes from. So how much is there? Where does the money come from? What does the person do for a living? Ask before you get married. You need to know where it is. Where's that money that you're, you're worth? How's it invested? What's the risk tolerance? If, if your sugar booger can't take risk and you're in European and Asian stocks, you may find that she freaks out on your ass. She may not be too happy with you. So you got to find out where it is and how it's invested. You got to talk about these things. And the final question you got to ask your loved one before you get married is where is it going? You got to look at your budgets. You got to share a budget with your loved one. If you don't have a budget, now's a good time to get started. Mint.com will help you enormously. Mint.com. Aaron Patzer, who's a friend of the show, is featured in the Wall Street Journal uh, yesterday. Uh, And it said, how a 20-something made a mint. He sold mint.com to Intuit. It's still a good website. Nothing's changed. In fact, it's only gotten a little bit better. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Now, I want to talk about a stock that could get you into an enormous amount of trouble. This is my tease for you going into the weekend. It's called Trony Solar. It's going to IPO on December 10th. It's going to be in the $9 to $11 range. J.P. Morgan and Credit Suisse are generating proceeds for the company. IPO caught my eye because Trony is a China-based provider of thin film solar products, which two attractive attributes for IPOs. China and solar. Growth and momentum. Now, according to a report issued by Photon Consulting, which is a solar energy research firm, Trony Solar, ticker symbol TRO, it's not publicly traded yet, is China's only thin film module producer. Now, what do they do good in China? They make things cheap. So the recent growth out of the company has been robust, and the outlook for the solar energy market is still very bullish, especially in China. Now, it can come public at 11 bucks. It can come public at 50 bucks. If you buy this stock because you heard it on my show, good luck to you. Sold a broker advisor before we take any action on any stocks. Now, an interesting side note to their story is that Intel, they've invested in the company about $20 million, and they're going to try to help them expand their capacity to on, on these you know solar panels. company does $37 billion in revenue so uh, for Intel, so $20 million is a drop in the bucket. But Intel doesn't arbitrarily hand out money, so its investment is a positive sign. Now, what are photovoltaic Modules. Solar energy is becoming more and more mainstream. Five, ten years ago, it really wasn't. A lot of people have heard the term PV module producer, but most people are probably not really aware what that means. PV modules, they're commonly known as solar panels. Within these panels are an assembly of solar cells that are interconnected that convert the energy of sunlight directly into electricity by doing the photovoltaic effect. Now, with getting out without getting too scientific and nerdy, the PV effect creates voltage upon exposure to the electromagnetic radiation that comes from sunlight. These solar cells are almost always either made from wafer-based crystalline silicone or thin film. Now, this is a company is a thin film module producer, which means that its solar cells are made by depositing one or more layers of uh, photovoltaic material, which is silicone, cadmium, telluride, or on a substrate. So, I don't know. Thin film is considered to have an advantage. It's worthy of noting this is going to be a sexy IPO. No one else is going to really tell you about it. I will. There's a lot of risks tied towards it. It's not, you know, without risk. 
One of the biggest concerns is whether investors and traders will lump the company with other lagging solar companies. Global economic downturn has been profound negative effect on the industry where, you know, a lot of governments aren't subsidizing solar panels. So there's some secondary plays, you know, SunTech Power, ticker symbol STP, Trina Solar, ticker symbol TSL, Yingling Green Energy, ticker symbol YGE, First Solar, ticker symbol FSLR. These are all competitors of theirs. So I throw it out there because I love you. Ticker symbol is T-R-O, T-R-O. You're listening to Rob Black Show. Thanks for a great week. I super appreciate it. I'm on 9, 10 a.m. Coming up next, Glenn Beck. You got to love Glenn Beck. You can hear me at 15 and 45 after the hour on the John and Ken show. I do little market updates there. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.